Nexus Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, PG&E pleads guilty for the campfire and a massive spike in pessimism. But first, reopening America. For the past week or so, President Trump has been emphasizing the need for social distancing and supporting state and local decisions to close non-essential businesses and schools. But then, beginning yesterday, a new message emerged. This shutdown can't go on indefinitely, and the economy should restart sooner rather than later. Weeks, not months. Three things to know. First, almost no leading medical expert believes the coronavirus spread has peaked, nor that it will by this time next week, which is the official end of the White House's 15 days to slow the spread plan. To be clear, President Trump isn't saying for sure that he'll order business back next Tuesday, but he is using that day as a touch point for reevaluation. Two, it is unclear if President Trump can reopen American business. Remember, he's not the one who really closed it in the first place. Instead, it was mostly mayors and governors who took the lead, while the White House did and many of those leaders have locked down orders in place that already are scheduled to last long past next Tuesday, as they've been listening to the doctors who warn that hospitals and other medical facilities could become even more overrun if we stop social distancing too soon, something that would go hand in hand with returning to work and school. Three, the longer we wait to reopen the economy, the harder it may be. But reopening too soon could be even worse, with many folks too fearful to work or to shop, not to mention the risk of reigniting the virus spread, thus leading to yet another shutdown. The bottom line, everyone wants America to reopen, but there's growing disagreement as to when that should happen. In 20 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios Healthcare reporter Caitlin Owens. But first... This. The Equity Fund Resources Group at Bridge Bank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, Bridge Bank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem and include creative credit solutions, robust treasury and cash management capabilities, and a suite of international banking products. Bridge Bank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios Healthcare reporter, Caitlin Owens. So Caitlin, let's start here with this idea of a peak. Are there any folks within the healthcare community who think we're either at a peak in terms of new infections or very close to one? Absolutely not, Dan. And you know, the thing to keep in mind too is the entire outbreak is defined by community. So while it appears that New York City is much further along than like say Orlando is, the country as a whole, we're just getting started on this outbreak. And you know, hopefully we can take steps to keep it from getting as bad as it could be. But I mean, like, I think that we just need to acknowledge that we're kind of in the beginning throes of this and that some places will likely be worse than others, especially places where community spread has happened undetected for a while. Yesterday morning, our colleague Jonathan Swan early in the morning reported that President Trump was under some pressure from some folks in his inner circle to start, quote, reopening parts of the economy sooner rather than later. He obviously during his press conference yesterday started talking, you know, somebody asked weeks or months and he said, well, it's certainly not months. And we keep hearing this 15-day number, which at this point is really a seven-day number, kind of this countdown plan. When you first heard even the idea that President Trump could try to, quote, reopen the economy, basically in a week from now, your initial reaction was what? Uh, I felt kind of nauseous. Um, I mean, just the public health people I'm talking to think this is an atrocious idea, because as I was just saying, the only way without knowing exactly where this virus is within the United States to keep it from spreading kind of horrifically is 
to keep people at home. And the number of cases is going to keep going up in the next week. We haven't been able to see the effects of keeping people home yet. It's going to take longer, especially because most of the country is still out and about at this point to some extent. They're not under shelter-in-place orders. Basically, there's no way that if we reopen the economy and send people back to work in a week that we're ready for that. The virus will continue to spread and people will continue to get sick. They'll continue to need hospital care and our healthcare system could completely collapse. I want to ask about something that was I found interesting in the press conference yesterday uh, when Dr. Burks, uh, Deborah Burks, was speaking, and she was talking about mortality rates, and she was talking about how, as we all know, it is generally folks over 70 who are most susceptible to dying from the coronavirus. But then she was talking particularly about numbers in Europe, about how there are such this large number of people between 40 and 70, you know, in their 40s, in their 50s, who can get really sick and die from this. Do you think there is a misconception out there right now that if you're not collecting a social Social security check, this is basically just going to be like a bad flu. I think so, yeah. And I think there's a growing recognition, especially, I mean, I'm a 20 something among my own age group that we are definitely not immune to this. And, you know, so obviously the older you are or the worse health you're in, you are at higher risk. That does not mean that if you are younger and in good health, that you have no risk at all. And I think that part of the reason why older people are at even greater risk, I mean, it's kind of compounded, right? Like this is a really morbid thing to talk about. But in Italy, again, older people are more likely to go to the hospital. You're seeing a run on the hospitals and the hospitals are overwhelmed. So can't offer them the kind of care they need. And not only that, but in that situation, Italian doctors are having to make life or death decisions about who they're going to treat and who gets ventilators, who gets the supplies. In those triage situations, it's, I mean, it's common medical ethics. Caitlin, you're a healthcare reporter, but you're really a healthcare policy reporter. You, you live and work in Washington, D.C. If we get to a point in a week or two weeks or three weeks where President Trump is telling Americans and American businesses, get back to work. But most people, for good reason, believe there is still risk at doing so. If local officials, state officials are telling people to stay home, can you give me a sense? Does that become a massive tug of war or do people basically, do you think, generally ignore the president? There's a few factors at work here. If that happened today, right now, the reality is that it is in blue state. The virus is spreading most prolifically in blue states that we know of. So confirmed cases. It's Washington, New York, and California, which have Democratic governors. In those states, I think that none of those governors would be super inclined you know, today or three weeks from now to look to President Trump for guidance. Now, they do need to have a productive working relationship with him because the federal government is pretty instrumental in helping states respond to this. But that said, I cannot see Governor Cuomo saying, OK, yeah, get back to work as President Trump said to. In red states, though, this is a different scenario. So and not just, red, you know, when we're talking about Republicans, we're not just talking about Republican governors. We're talking about Republican voters. I think they take a lot of cues from President Trump. You saw this in polling with differences in party attitudes towards the coronavirus. They're about even now. But, you know, a week ago, they weren't. Republicans were inclined to take this less seriously. And they get their cues directly from the president, who for a while was messaging that this is just akin to the flu. The panic over it is a media hoax, etc. So, you know, I think that if the president starts saying get back to work, that could be something that Republicans take to heart and it could be risky. That said, I think that timing matters because all the information indicates that in these redder areas, the virus is going to continue to spread. The numbers are going to climb. And, you know, I think when people in these areas are looking at those numbers and kind of the stories of their friends getting sick, very sick, potentially dying, I think that's going to be a strong contrast with the president saying, get back to work. Caitlin Owens, who writes the daily Axios Vitals newsletter, which you can get at signup.axios.com. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you for having me. 
My final two, right after this. The Equity Fund Resource Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, BridgeBank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two, and first up is something not at all related to the coronavirus. Instead, it's about a different disaster. The 2008 Camp Fire in Northern California, the state's deadliest ever wildfire. In a federal filing yesterday, Pacific Gas and Electric, the utility better known as PG&E, announced that it has pled guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter and agreed to pay a $3.5 billion penalty on top of the previous $25.5 billion of settlements that it agreed to. Why it matters is that it is highly unusual for any corporation, let alone a major one, to face criminal charges instead of just civil ones. And for PG&E, this could help it emerge from bankruptcy, something it wants to do by June, so that it could possibly be included in a new state wildfire fund that could cover the costs of future fires. And finally, Axios has been working with polling firm Ipsos to track sentiments around coronavirus. And today we've got new data showing that around half of Americans are now worried about their jobs and their ability to pay the bills. That's more than double the number of people who expressed that concern just one week ago, reflecting the speed with which this crisis is growing from an economic perspective. There's also been a sharp increase in the percentage of Americans who say their emotional well-being has declined, while the share of Americans self-quarantining has quadrupled, again, just over a week. And finally, people say they trust their employers far more than they trust the federal government to look out for their best interests by a margin of 68% to 53% which I can't tell is a silver lining or a dark cloud. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great National Cheesesteak Day, you know, if you can find one right now. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.